I don't know if I can do a cold open today because the original idea of my cold opens was to shock and awe Steve, and he's not here. So today we are trying a new thing, uh, which is kind of a throwback to when I first started streaming back in 2020, where I'm going to be talking about comics to the ether. And also for those who don't know, we do stream our recordings on Twitch, and so I will be talking to nobody, but there will be people. There could be people in the Twitch chat trying to troll me, but that's what it is. Anyway, so that's my cold open is that we're trying something new, and if I feel wholly uncomfortable with it and I want to do it again, then this will be the last time this happens. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to intro here because, yeah, put the intro music right here. Dibs, thanks. <laughs> Welcome to uh, I Guess My Superpower, weekly recorded, not so weekly pu- published podcast between me, Will Freeland, over in Santa Barbara, California, and my best friend, Steve Storman, in uh, Brooklyn, New York. And usually through the miracles of modern technology, we are we talk to each other about the comics that we read this week, but Steven is on an international vacation right now. And I didn't want to wait. <laughs> so we're trying something new. I didn't want to wait because I've got like 20, almost 30 books waiting to be read, not even including Destiny of X that we're going to theoretically be covering next week. We'll see. So I think we're just going to get into it. Hi, guys. Welcome in. Thank you for tuning into this solo podcast. This is so weird. I'm so used to having <laughs> back and forth. Steve suggested that I bring others in but i was actually just legitimately curious how i would do on my own so for this episode for this week i read three books we're continuing jed mckay's moon knight uh volume three it's been a long time since we've talked moon knight yeah this is this is gonna be fun we're gonna talk about that uh last time we talked about moon knight he had a crossover with murder reigns which was a long ass time ago. Um, and then we have a Gail Simone joint for Jessica Jones called The Variants, which spends zero time actually talking about how and why. Well, it spends a little bit of time about the why, but the how of all these variants showing up has very little to do with the actual story, which is kind of funny. Anyway, and then we have the newest run of the Thunderbolts. Actually, now that I look at it, it doesn't have a number. So maybe it's a one-time miniseries. I don't know. It doesn't end with them breaking up, but we'll see We'll see where it goes. But it's a brand new team, technically, arguably led by Hawkeye, who, had, who led the second version of the Thunderbolts. We'll get into... We'll get into a little, a short history of the Thunderbolts because they are near and dear to me because they are the first comic book title that I started collecting that Steve wasn't collecting. And I wanted to, it, it just like had this like source of pride that I had like 10 issues of this comic and Steve didn't have any. And I was like, yes, yeah, my comic. And then it ended up being 
Interesting. It was weird. I don't know. We'll talk about it. Because it also kind of plays into the Thunderbolts movie that MCU is doing. Plays into in the sense of like theme. But we'll get into that as we get there. I also started Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood. Uh, but I didn't get to finish it before we started recording. Granted, I didn't have anyone here to like be punctual for. It's like I could have pushed back recording by like half an hour and just finished the book. But I was having a really good time with it, and I didn't want to rush it <laughs> because because Moon Knight's awesome, and he's my third slash fourth favorite Marvel superhero. So he can be in two episodes back to back. It's totally fine. Potentially, there might be something in between. I have to check with Steve whenever he gets internet if we're going to be following through with doing Destiny Vex next week or if I'm doing more reading and he'll just be here. We'll see. Yeah, so let's uh, let's get into it. So Moon Knight, Volume 3 by Jed McKay. Oh, I get because, you know, this is usually about like, Steve, what did you read? And he'll be like, oh, I read, you know, some Gambit and some Wolverine and this X-Men title and a run on New Mutants. I'm like, cool. And then... And then we'll be like, should we get into it? And I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> Can you tell I miss it? Dude, it's been, it's been one week. Dude, I haven't recorded, I've never recorded a solo podcast. And we've recorded, we've been recording podcasts for two and a half years now. This is weird. All right. So volume three of Moon Knight is issues 13 through 18. And again, I said it, I said it before and I'll say it again. Alessandro Capuccio's art is so awesome. It's so fun to see him play with shadows. <clears throat> like like just just the shot of Moon Knight running in like down the street is just super cool. The way he does his art is just mind-blowing and I really 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 want to own some of his art, I think. <laughs> All right, so anyway, quick recap. There's this guy called... Okay, well, okay, so the last... Volume 2 ended with basically kind of closing the book on Zodiac, where Zodiac was coordinating all these... He hired 12 assassins because Zodiac to mess with Moon Knight and take him out. Ended up not working because... There's two Fists of Khonshu right now. There's uh, Hunter's Moon, and then there's Moon Knight. They call themselves brothers. Hunter's Moon is the by-the-book devout... I was going to say Kristen. Devout devotee to Khonshu, the ways of Khonshu, whereas Mark Spector is very much... Eh, eh, eh. I'll use your powers, thanks. So that closed the book, but when as soon as he was about to, as soon as Mark was about to go in for the killing blow on Zodiac, he gets stopped, and then Stephen Grant takes over the body and turns around, introduces himself to, to what is her name, to the <laughs> to the vampire that is working for Moon Knight for Mister Knight Reese. And that's how it ended. So it's like its own little cliffhanger. Anyway, the next issue, this first issue of this book, Mark is back in, back in control of the body. But we start with, we're basically going 
they've had this side story with vampires going on. Like Reese got turned into a vampire, and then she started working for Moon Knight, and so, and also Moon Knight has a history <laughs> with like vampires and Dracula and all this other kind of stuff. Kind of just as a like adversarial thing. Steve would be the first to tell you about <laughs> the uh, the Facebook group Moon Knight Core and their whole meme about Dracula owing Moon Knight money. It's a whole thing. Anyway, <laughs> and so we're basically going into closing closing the loop on that because there's this guy, Tudor, who is basically making, trying to make New York his vampire stomping ground. And by doing this, he has introduced the multi-level marketing pyramid scheme concept to vampires and so he basically creates his like handful of vampires and then has them go and make their own vampires and like introduces this whole like power dynamic level thing with Tudor at the top because of this marketing strategy Moon Knight has been able to take out like bases or groups but because it's multi-level marketing and the same dynamic that like Hydra works for works on, you know, cut off one head, two more take its place. He's 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 causing headaches for Tudor, but he's not dealing with Tudor because he hasn't met Tudor and he's trying to find him. Meanwhile, Tudor has hired Taskmaster to be like, I want to take out. Well, first he says he hires he hires Moon Knight to or hires Taskmaster to ask him about Moon Knight. And Taskmaster is like, you know what? I appreciate that. Usually people hire me to go kill somebody or go train some people. But no one ever asks me for information. Which is interesting because up until the last reboot of Taskmaster, like the last time Taskmaster had his own title, it was declared that he doesn't remember these things because his body has he has so he has photographic reflexes which means he, he can watch someone fight and then he can mimic their fighting style and because the photographic reflexes are so total he doesn't remember other things like people's names people's faces he doesn't remember what he had for breakfast that morning like <laughs> That was the thing with Taskmaster for a long time. For like, that was the standard for like a decade. And then a few years ago, actually, I want to say maybe two years ago, because we covered it in one of the earlier issues, one of the earlier episodes of the podcast, that that's not a thing anymore. He has all of his memory because someone reimagined him, and that's the, that's the new canon for him. So, anyway, Tudor hired Taskmaster to find out. Moon Knight's weakness. And Taskmaster says, yeah, I don't mess with Moon Knight. (laughs) And let me tell you why I and nobody messes with Moon Knight. And so he breaks down into... (laughs) He compares compares Moon Knight to a 45, 45 caliber hollow point. He's like, you want to know what Moon Knight is? This is Moon Knight. And he holds up a bullet. 
He's like, it's a 45 ACP hollow point, a flying ashtray. He says, uh, you put one of these through a person, it comes out the other end, turned inside out, mushroomed, torn up, twisted from all sort of all the soft tissue trauma it's caused. That's Moon Knight. He'll come at you faster than the speed of sound, go right through you, and won't care what it'll do to him. When he comes out the other side, he'll leave a hole in your life big enough to dr- drive the L train through. I don't know what took a man and made him into a bullet, and I don't want to know. <laughs> and Tudor's like, you have a gift for the theatrical test master. He's like, what? Uh, you didn't notice the pipe boots and the skull mask when I came in? And Tudor's like, okay, well... <laughs> the point is Moon Knight is still a problem and I don't like it. And primarily he's, t- he's talking about how there are defectors with him. He's referring to Reese. He says four vampires. I only know about Reese and well, we're going to find out a soldier, but anyway, uh, he says that was bad enough, but it's not, it was not a pressing problem until he had one of them challenge my exclusivity. And now he, we're implying that Moon Knight or Reese is creating her own multi-level marketing Ponzi scheme with vampires. And that's what's freaking him out. Anyway, then there's talk with Tiger and Reese and this, that, and the other. Tiger's been hanging out and she's awesome. And she gets she's she showed up. We just saw her in Defenders last episode where she communed with the Tiger God once again. Uh, Tiger God being the yin to the phoenix's yang, which is wild, but it's been established in Marvel history for quite some time, I guess. Anyway, so Taskmaster ends his conversation with Tudor just being like, seriously, do not. I First of all, I'm not taking the money. Don't mess with Moon Knight. And <laughs> Tudor's like, are you scared? He's like, he pay me to talk and he don't listen. Of course I'm scared. <laughs> But he's like, seriously, no one, no one in the city is psycho enough, psycho enough to deal to take on Moon Knight. And Tudor's like, no one in this city, huh? So then he's like, okay, so he's gonna go outside. And then after that, Taskmaster goes and finds Moon Knight, and Moon Knight's like, you ready to go? And Moon Knight, and Taskmaster's like, listen, <laughs> I'm not here to fight you. I just want to let you know, as a professional courtesy, and hopefully it buys me one later. <laughs> That tutor is trying to take you out and he's hiring mercenaries to do it. I I want you to know that he tried to hire me and I said no. And I hope that (laughs) earns me some grace next time we have to fight. Okay, I'll see you later. Bye. (laughs) Oh, and he also tells him that whatever whatever Moon Knight is doing is messing with the exclusivity of Tudor's thing. And Moon Knight's like, huh, interesting. Anyway, Tudor ends up hiring these two people who I think are newcomers, Nemian and Grand Mal. Grand Mal? I don't know. I think they're new because we spent the next like two issues finding out about their history and their past and then dealing with them. So we wouldn't need to do that if they were like from the Winter Guard or something. Anyway, it ends with Mark Spector, Mr. Knight in the Midnight Mission. Just being like, okay, now something I need to do. And so then he sits in his chair and he says, gentlemen. And then it cuts to uh, a point of view of Stephen Grant. He says, I think. And it points to Jake Lockley and he says, it's time we talk. And it's like, ah! So 
<laughs> one of the things that, and we've talked about this before because we've covered plenty of Moon Knight, but like one of the things that I really like about Moon Knight's character is how the three personalities of Moon Knight work together for the uh, whatever common cause that they're working on. Mark Spector is the assassin. He's the killer. Stephen Grant is typically the executive moneymaker. He's like in Hollywood, but he makes he makes the money. He's the he's the income. And then Jake Lockley is the guy. He's the he's the feet on the ground. He's the he's a cabbie. He's a New York cabbie, and he's like the in, intel information gatherer. All pieces that I I was hoping for in the first episode of Moon Knight on MCU's uh, Disney Plus show. Like, I wanted to be introduced to three different characters that are living three very different lives, but are clearly working on something. And then the final scene to be Moon Knight dealing with whatever monster of the week he had to deal with, coming home and, like, maybe having some mirrors to show the different characters looking at each other or just open up a closet and have the like fatigues business suit and the like fedora and cabbie gear like in his closet hanging up but it's fine it's not what we got i liked what we got it was it was just not what i was expecting (laughs) anyway so tudor hiring these two mercenaries and mark specter finally bringing in Steven and Jake is kind of the setup for this volume. We are here in the third volume on issue 13. And this is the first time we've seen directly addressing Mark Spector's DID. And so they kind of call him out being like, dude, what the hell are you doing? What the hell have you been doing? You, we had a partnership. We had an understanding what's going on and and mark's mark's basically like we had an agreement and they're like yeah your agreement <laughs> we were good we were in a good place all three of us we were working together but conchu put conchu in his place for a bit but down put down the sun king ernst and the society which was the last run of moon Knight. <laughs> what happened <laughs> and mark is like the age of conchu happened which was the seventh volume of jason aaron's run on avengers which is the beginning of the downfall of Jason Aaron's run on Avengers. And they're just like, listen, like we're a team. We should work like one. What the hell is your problem? And he's like, listen, I have a plan. I'm doing stuff. I don't need a problem. And I don't need you guys. And they ca- they basically have like this whole, your typical, dude, we've been through this before. <laughs> We have history, whereas this is not our first rodeo. This is what we should be doing. You can't do this alone. And then we find out as they're having this like space, like this uh, dream space conversation, because basically how they're having this conversation is Mark Spector as Mr. Knight sitting on his like throne in the Midnight Mission. Uh, Stephen Grant is in a business suit sitting at like a bit like a desk, a CEO's desk. And then Jake Lockley is sitting at a stripper bar as, as like girls are like walking by and they're just having this like conversation. And meanwhile, we find out like a few pages in that they're calling him out because physically Moon Knight is 
fighting Nemean and Grand Mall. <laughs> so like a war on two fronts, as they say. And because Moon Knight doesn't know who these people are, they're just like, <laughs> they're like, bro, if you've, if you've got this, why are you losing? <laughs> and he's like, shut up. <laughs> anyway, great conversation. Jed McKay's writing is so much fun. And paired up with Capuccio's art, I cannot stress enough how much I recommend this book. <laughs> and like, I feel like I'm going to have this conversation. I'm going to have this like uh, position on all of, all of Jed McKay's <laughs> titles because his dialogue is just so much fun. But then McKay's dialogue coupled with Capuccio's art. Like I should make this, I should make this a giveaway on one of my, uh, one of my, one of my giveaways on, on my Twitch. That's what I'm thinking. Anyway, so they call him out. They're like, dude, what are you doing? And he's like, yeah, he is losing a fight. Damn it. I can't, I can't do this alone. I need help. And as he realizes that, the, the, you know, second to last. So <laughs> he lost the fight, <laughs> uh, but he didn't get killed because Hunter's Moon and Tigra show up. And he's like, yeah, if I'm going to win this, I need a team. And so... You know, we have like our one issue of addressing the elephant in the room of we have other person. Mark Spector has these other two personalities. Like, why haven't we seen them? What's going on? So we've we spend the issue kind of addressing that. And then so the third issue is Mr. Knight at his therapy session. So one of the things that has been going on through the last couple of volumes is that uh, Mark's been having to have these therapy sessions with his doctor. I don't remember her name. She's, this is what I get for not like taking notes. But anyway, she is a government appointed therapist that the Avengers have, has asked <laughs> keep an eye on Moon Knight, basically to evaluate whether or not there's a chance that the age of country is going to happen again. <laughs> so it's basically imagine there is no imagine. I was going to say imagine taking over the world and then the world being like, oh, I keep an eye on him. <laughs> That's not exactly something that anyone has a frame of reference for. So anyway, that, that so uh, Mark is like, you know, you've never asked me about my D, DID. And she's like, That's not part of why I'm here. Uh, he's like, Yeah, but like, I had a breakthrough. And she's like, Fine, tell me about it. <laughs> so anyway. We spend an issue of like Stephen Grant finally getting back into the world and going to his old stomps and and then being like, dude, I haven't seen you in a long time. He's like, yeah, I've been away doing whatever, like personal retreat, getting to know myself, whatever rich people do. And then Jake Lockley goes back into um, to the bar where he used to go to all the time. And everyone's like, Jake, it's, it has like a full on cheers moment where everyone's favorite side character shows up for the first time in like two seasons and the crowd goes wild and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so they are doing their thing to find out um, what's going down. So turns out Tudor is taking over New York City, but he's been staying away from Chinatown and finds out about that. Jake finds out about that, that something is in Chinatown that for whatever reason... He's, he's like either afraid of or just won't touch. 
So Jake goes to find out about that. Meanwhile, Stephen Grant takes some cash and goes and hires a, uh, basically like a private investigator person that's just like, hey, half up front. I have, <laughs> he, he frames it as he wants to, he's like, hey, you know how like, What's, you know, what's big in the film industry these days? And they're like, superheroes. Like, cool, 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 cool. I understand that what's now is superheroes, but what's next is supervillains. And uh, it's a, it's a it's an untapped market. And the guy that he's met with, he's like, yeah, but because of the son of Sam law, murderers can't profit off their stories. And without the cash, who's going to sell their, their life rights? It's like, I get that. He says that that is a law that exists for people convicted in the United States. And he's like, listen, I just found out about these two other people. We go by uh Nemian and Grand Mal. Here's their here's their uh picture. I need you to find what you can about them. <laughs> Let me know. See, they might they might be uh they might be good fodder for a supervillain movie flick. <laughs> and he's like, Alright, sounds good. I'll be I'll get in touch with you in a day. So anyway, so that's just, man, that's literally, like, the beauty of how these three personalities start working together. And it's, it's so much fun. And I love seeing McKay do this, where, like, just from cell to cell, transitioning the control, the mental control of of Mark Spector's body. For, for a frame of reference, Mark is the original... Mark's the one who was born. <laughs> it's it is Mark Spector's body, and then Stephen Grant and Jake Lockley are alternate personalities that sh- that he created uh, from trauma as a child. But yeah, and so like watching him like move willingly from control to control is just a lot of fun. Anyway, so oh well, so. <laughs> After we've done all of the research and finding out about Chinatown, in the middle of this volume, that's where they put the annual. And the annual is a side, a really random side story that ha- that took place here because it had to happen after Moon Knight got his personalities. Like Mark, Stephen, and, and Jake were working together. And since now we have, that's why they put it here. It, it is what it is. Anyway, it has to do with Marlene shows up. Marlene is Mark Spector's wife. Who <laughs> so Mark and Marlene were together. Life and drama happens. They basically split up and then Stephen Grant so okay, well, Marlene understands that Steve, Jake, and Mark are in the same are the same person. But anyway. <laughs> Stephen in the past, Stephen Grant came over, and they had a kid <laughs> that that Mark and Jake didn't know about, uh, which is a whole thing, and kind of really interesting conceptually to me. If one of the new personalities goes and has a kid, whose kid is it? Like, is does. <laughs> Is Steve if Stephen Grant is marked as the father of their child, can Mark Spector come and pick her up from daycare? Uh, anyway, uh, it's really random. This the annual has to do with Marlene shows up and she's like, "Hey, it's a it, I need I need to talk," and 
<laughs> when she shows up, Mark is like, Mark gets shocked, and then Stephen Grant takes over and he's like, "Hey," it, uh, and she's she's like, Mark is like, "Nah, sorry, it's Stephen." Uh, seeing you really threw him for a loop, and he accidentally gave control over to me. <laughs> and and she's like, "Okay, I really need to talk to Mark right now because she needs a killer." Basically, he's like, "Yep, got you, got you. Okay, um, we'll move over." All right, so point being. <laughs> Jack Russell is the original Werewolf by Night. We haven't talked about Werewolf by Night. We haven't talked about Jack Russell except for conceptually. Like, he hasn't shown up anywhere in the last couple of years. There's a new Werewolf by Night that's Jake Gomez, who's teamed up with Red Wolf, uh, telling a story, a Cherokee story that was written by Taboo from Black Eyed Peas. And we talked about that one. Gosh, a year and a half ago? <laughs> a long time ago? Either way, Jack Russell hasn't shown up in a while. Jack Russell kidnapped Mark and Marlene's, well, or Stephen and Marlene's daughter. And we don't entirely know why. Her name is Diatrice. Diatrice. It's a very interesting name to give your daughter. Anyway, Jack Russell apparently has been spending time... <laughs> Becoming the king of the wolves. And he gives like this like one speech bubble self resume about what he's been doing lately. He says, I'm the king of wolves. I read the dark hold and kept my sanity. I fought challengers for leadership from all the packs in North America and won in the sacred rites at the conclave of the boreal Cord- Cordillera. I proved myself in the running battles uh, with the Wendigo in the Hudson Bay Wars last winter. I know no one but you two believes in the prophecy, but it doesn't matter. All I need is the title. I needed to be the king of the wolves to do this. And you're like, wait, what? And basically, <laughs> we find out that Moon Knight goes over to Hunter's Moon. He's like, what's going on? Is there anything going on about what? Like, why is why is... Jack Russell kidnapping my daughter. What what is this? And he says, In the memories of the chorus that live inside me, there is a prophecy of how a weapon might be made to murder our father, but it contains within it a contradiction. So basically, the thought is, well, the point is, Jack Russell wants to kill Khonshu. A rough translation from the Darkhold as discovered by the first Omari. When the moon leads the skies... The blood of the anointed fist with the blood of the fist, a weapon to kill their grandsire, the moon god, forged by the king of all wolves, anointed in blood, tempered with a curse. There's there's more, but that's the crux of it. It's impossible. It's nonsense. Why is it impossible? The moon leading the skies refers to a planetary alignment like tonight's. The blood of the fist, a repetition understood to mean the kin, uh, to mean the kin, the issue of the fist. A child, which we, by definition and decree, do not and cannot have. <laughs> One of the dictates of Khonshu, a fist is a weapon. A fist does not reproduce. We reap. We do not sow. And Moon and Mark is just like, hmm, you're going to want to suit up. So maybe that's how they got around it, because Mark Spector is Moon Knight. I don't know if they make it, if it makes it impotent or if he's just not allowed to have a kid. But then Stephen Grant's the one that made the kid. Anyway. Jack Russell makes a reference to the fact that he was pulled the last time we saw him was dealing with Tear and which is uh 
Wolfsbane's son, who was part of a prophecy that all of the of all the hell lords whoever killed the eight billionth life on the planet would take over Earth or something. But wolves were involved. <laughs> and and Tyr ended up being the eight billionth living soul and Jack Russell was pulled by that prophecy there, but noticed that all the other werewolves wanted to kill Tyr, and he thought that was wrong, and so he wanted to protect Tyr. And so he ended up taking Tyr, but Tyr, according to from his from his perspective, Tyr died. But what we have seen on Krakoa is that he's not technically dead. They tried to revive him, but it couldn't. I don't know. It was, it's a handful of things I don't fully understand about the wolves of the MCU. Anyway, Hunter's Moon and Moon Knight attack Jack Russell. And Diatrice shows up and they split up. Moon Knight goes to fight Jack Russell. Hunter's Moon goes to find Diatrice. Diatrice Conchu's talking to Hunter's Moon and says, that kid is an abomination, should not live. Also, by existing, it's she can be used as a tool to kill me, get rid of her, and Hunter's Moon doesn't want to. Anyway, Deatrice, she's like, uh, I don't know, maybe ten years old. She talks like she's she talks mature, but she's also the child of a superhero, so she's been through them some things that most kids haven't. So <laughs> she also has pink hair. I assume it's dyed. Anyway, it ends with Moon Knight and Jack Russell being at a at a um at an impasse, and Diatrice is like, "He didn't hurt me. We're not gonna do this thing. If I walk away, no one has to die. Let's just call it a night." <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, okay." It's like, it was such a nothing burger, but like, they just wanted to have Moon Knight and Jack Russell cross paths again. Because, so Moon Knight debuted in Werewolf by Night, which is super random. But, so they have a history together. And also, if you look up Werewolf by Night, he has the longest surprising fictional history. It's like... 15 paragraphs long of all the things that he and his like ancestors have done. And they are involved in like, he's tangentially involved with vampires, the high evolutionary, the dark hold moon Knight, <laughs> And then, Oh, the another thing that was weird is in this annual, basically Jack Russell, his motivation for killing I should have talked about this before. His motivation for killing Khonshu was that the werewolves are slaves to Khonshu because they're both related to the moon or whatever. And so, but it's said in here that their werewolves are like beholden to Khonshu, that they're like his first or one of you know one of his one of his armies they didn't want to be under Khonshu anymore and so 
they were like, well, well, if we just kill Khonshu, and then the question of do you, how can you do you kill a god? Can you kill a god? Hence the prophecy that technically exists that Hunter's Moon knows about, but said it is impossible because a fist of Khonshu does not reproduce, and yet we have Diatrice, Diatrice. Anyway, so that's a thing. I think it's kind of interesting because they're both moon moon related. They don't have to be related to each other, but like it's kind of fun that they are. Anyway, back to the main story. Moon Knight goes and tracks down whoever is in Chinatown to see if they can do this whole like enemy of my enemy thing. And uh, he meets another vampire who is also dressed in white. I don't imagine she's going to... I don't know. We might see her again. But her name is Lady Yulan. And she is a member of one of the first vampires, like, before Vlad Dracula. So I guess she's, like, semi-vampire. I don't know. I feel like vampires got their name from Dracula's time. But anyway, she's been she's been killing people. She's she said I'd killed a thousand men at her uh, so when she worked okay. I'm sorry. She was raised from birth to be an assassin in the court of the dread immortal Yi Yang. I am the first of my bloodline created by her alchemy. I'd killed a thousand men at her behest a century before Vlad Dracula was ever born. So that's a thing. So maybe she's not like a full on vampire, maybe she's like something else. She's an alchemic vampire. But anyway, Moon Knight's like, listen, like, I want to make a move on Tudor. Help me. And she's, it was basically like, nah. <laughs> and she, she breaks down what Reese is doing. And she's like, yeah, you know, the whole reason why Tudor's pissed is because Reese is doing this whole, like, non-exclusivity clause. She's like, wait, what? Because... <laughs> So, Soldier, who is, he's ex-Hydra, and he was working for, he was like the super militant yes-man for Mr. Knight. And he got shot and supposedly killed in the last volume, and then we find out that he's still alive. And, (laughs) but what happened? What happened was, he got shot through Reese, the bullet went through Reese, and into Soldier, and blood from Reese got into Soldier's body, and that's what turned him into a vampire. And they're like, wait, what? (laughs) That's why, like, (laughs) Reese is confused, because, which, okay, I don't know why she's that confused. Now that I actually think about it, because, like, Soldier became a vampire, and no one was like, what? How? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so I feel like they kind of just spent that, spent this issue to sort of introduce Lady Yulan and maybe use her later, but she only cares about Chinatown. And we've, I guess we find out that the agreement between Tudor and Yulan and why they stay away from each other is that Yulan is more powerful than Tudor, but Tudor knows where she is. And so if she makes a move out of Chinatown. He will out uh, where she is to Lady uh, Yi Yang, and she will come down on her. So 
there's this like, you don't pull your trigger, I won't pull my trigger kind of thing. Yeah, and so I feel like, so this entire issue is just like conversation between the two of them so that Hunter's Moon can go and attack Nemian and and Grand Mal and they kill Hunter's Moon. They crack his neck or snap his neck and it's like, I don't know, it's the worst thing ever but then you get the next issue and Moon Knight <laughs> Moon Knight is getting his revenge on the two of them and brings them to the Midnight Mission and now remember the Midnight Mission is this haunted building, demon building that Doctor Strange like exercises and sends back to its own dimension every few years. But Moon Knight made a deal with it and was like, listen, I get it. <laughs> you just want to be, but you can't keep on eating innocent people. Why don't you come live with me <laughs> and be my midnight mission and I will bring you things. <laughs> I'll bring you the souls worthy of eating. So he brings Nemian and Grand Mal, and and, you, and and we get these really cool visuals because like, look at Moon Knight just holding his like Cali sticks, and then also look at him just destroying Nemian's face with a Cali stick. Anyway, so brings him to the Midnight Mission. Midnight Mission helps out. Grand Mal is fed with all these visions of all the death that she's caused, and she's getting like tormented with psychic visions of all these skeletons and stuff. Meanwhile, oh, as far as abilities are concerned, <laughs> Grand Mal has this like short circuit touch. If she, tu- if she touches you with her fingers, with her fingertips, it kind of like short circuits your body and you kind of pass out, incapacitates you. So he's attacking her from afar. And then Nemian is your typical super soldier type. So like strength, durability, healing basic healing i guess uh but strong and and like durable skin so uh, so he deals with nemian by dropping a bunch of building on him and pillars and stuff and that's wild and then in on the the final the final thing that they have to they're dealing with is like grand mouths and this like Quantum Mania Tower of Bodies, and then Nemian trapped under all the debris gets a bunch of like cockroaches crawling up his mouth and stuff. Ends up being just visions, and they and they both just like mentally give up. And then you get the epic Moon Knight visuals of just like, hello, welcome. So anyway, we spent an issue dealing with Nemian and Grand Mal, and it ends with just like, listen. I said in my research, you didn't do yours. Hunter's Moon isn't my sidekick. He's my brother. He's a fist of Khonshu. And the fists of Khonshu don't die and get Hunter's Moon back. So it would be surprising if that's not literally what Khonshu does. (laughs) Like, Mark Spector died at the foot of of Khonshu's statue. And Khonshu was like, I want you to be mine. So he gave him life. Like... The fact that Hunter's Moon came back is not surprising. So I'm glad they didn't sit on it for too long. Anyway, at the end, <laughs> it <laughs> the second last issue ends with Tudor doing a presentation to 
the elite vampires of the world, including representatives from Chernobyl, where Dracula's vampire nation, vampire nation is. And <laughs> Tudor's like, listen, I have this really successful structure <laughs> that, like, look how much power I have. I want you guys in on this. I want to bring you in. Because basically, Tudor wants to be the new Dracula. And he's like, come on, guys. I want you I want you in on this. And so that's what this whole gathering is about, is that he wants to absorb the rest of the vampire communities around the world, and eventually including Chernobyl. It ends with Moon Knight and Ta- Tigra crashing their party. Anyway, they... But, Comic stuff happens. It's going to get wrapped up in the last issue. But there's one scene between Soldier and Reese that I really like. Soldier and Reese are in another floor of the building where this party thing is happening, setting up the big reveal. And Reese is like, are you sure you know what you're doing? Soldier's messing with some like electronics. And she's like, are you sure you know what you're doing? He's like, I mean, yeah, I'll figure it out. And he's like, yes. I know. And she's like, huh, I never thought you would be an electrician type. And he's like, yeah, I'm not, but I am trained to be a super terrorist. And he goes into kind of his life leading up to when he joined, joined Hydra and Hydra's effectiveness. And I think this is an interesting piece. So he says, Infiltration, coercion, infrastructure, infrastructure attack, Hydra had it down to a science. Printed their manuals and procedures in three ring binders. It's kind of funny. I was never good at anything. Never any good at school. Never could find a job I clicked with. Square peg in a round hole of a world. Hydra loves guys like that. Because Hydra is good at one thing. Telling guys like me that it's not their fault. That it's the world's fault and they're, that they're so angry. And then they give you the tools to change the world bit by bit into what they think, what they want it to look like. Give you a gun and teach you how to kill. Give you a computer and teach you how to take over a security system. But their best tools are the ones you come to them with. Hate, anger. And they give you everything you need to feed those feelings until it's all you can think about. And just like that, I found something I was good at. And that, I was like, like it's, it's not humanizing Hydra and it's like recruitment, but it like it's it's kind of it's one of the first times it's the, really the first time that I can remember that we actually got to look into how other people or like how Hydra approaches like recruitment and 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 like the way that it affected Soldier and the way that he appreciated it is really kind of it's it's effective. <laughs> And I thought that was pretty interesting. And I love how it's like, yeah, people who don't have anything, people who don't like the world, that's exactly what Hydra's looking for. And they give passion to that disgust. And then I, as a recruit, naturally find where I want to be. It's ah. Anyway, I just really liked it. So Moon Knight shows up with Tigra and it's just like, hey, this isn't happening anymore. Do you want to do my, uh, do you want to see my big reveal? And Tudor's like, no. Anyone here want to, <laughs> well, <laughs> Tudor's like, I can't believe you showed up in a room full of vampires. And Moon Knight's like, yeah, but I'm going to take you all out. 
<laughs> and Tudor's like, oh, please, even if you could take some of us out, there's no way you could take us all out. And Moon Knight's just like, are you sure you really want to test that? And then, like, nobody's moving when Tudor's like, all right, somebody please take this man out. And he's like, but don't you want to see my big play? Tudor's like, no. He's like, well, you're going to see it anyway. And then <laughs> a, w- a white umbrella falls down. So, so Moon Knight shows up as Mr. Knight. He's been spending most of his time as Mr. Knight instead of Moon Knight these days. But shows up, and a white umbrella comes down. And I really, 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 really want a print of this page of Moon Knight and Tigra all dressed up. Sorry, Mr. Knight and Tiger all dressed up under this shining white umbrella, just chilling. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> and then he says, now Reese. Oh, Reese keeps on talking about his hydro recruitment, but I'm going to let other people read it, hopefully on their own sometime. And he act- he hits activate and all of the sprinkle sprinklers in the ballroom go off. And you get another cool pulled out, zoomed out version of Mr. Knight and Tigra holding each other. All the water comes down and they're like, wait, what? Sprinklers? What the hell? And Tudor's like, okay, this is obnoxious. We're done here. And he's like, I should have known Taskmaster was an idiot to be afraid of you. And he goes up and runs up and grabs Mr. Knight by the throat. And he's like, some superhero. And and Knight's just like, you're not listening. They never listen. I'm not a superhero. I'm a priest, and I consecrate this water to the service of Khonshu, that miserable old bastard. (laughs) Tudor's like, holy water. And then everyone just burns. (laughs) It's such a cool, (laughs) such a cool idea. Anyway, so Moon Knight, so, you know, Moon Knight makes his first move, and he's like, all right, kill them all, but but leave me a witness. And Tiger's like, sweet deal. I was getting bored. After all, I got my nails done for this party. She got silver claw. Uh, she got a uh, silver clap, silver claw caps for her hands, and so she's just gonna go run around just silver, silver impaling people. <laughs> and then Hunter's Moon joins in, gives Moon Knight his silver sword, and they just go to town. Right before he takes out. Tudor, Tudor's like, wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me work for you. I have value. My methods have value. I can, I can build your midnight mission. I'll expand your operation. Build you an army in white suits. You could be a god of the streets. Mister Nice is like, nah. I've, I've had more than enough of gods. Anyway, turns out there was a human there, and Tiger caught him, and they're just like, hello, Renfield. <laughs> Labeling him Renfield, not that he's actually Renfield. Working for the vampires. What Dracula promised you to sell the rest of us out? Doesn't matter. I've got good news for you. You get to live. You're going to leave this place, and you're going straight back to Chernobyl. You're going to deliver a message. Going to tell Dracula what happens when you make a move on New York. So that plot line is basically over. and ends with an interview prison psychiatrist talking to Zodiac. So... Zodiac's not done. But anyway, Moon Knight, Hunter's Moon, and Tigra are just holding it down in New York. Mark, Stephen, and Jake are working together again. And the vampires of New York have been dealt with. Should have done this before, because then, then Wolverine wouldn't have to worry about anything. <laughs> oh, man. Vampires. 
I feel like they're, I don't know if making a comeback, but like they're consistently in the Marvel spotlight over the last few years. Anyway, something to maybe point out or remember at some point in time. Jessica Jones, The Variants. This was interesting. Gail Simone writes, this was, I, I liked this book. It was, it was a fun, I'll keep on wanting to say one-shot miniseries. Just as I talk about how I like the inner dialogue of Captain Marvel, and that's what like makes it stand out to me, and why I think I worry about any Captain Marvel movie, <laughs> because we're not going to get that kind of like inner monologue. Uh, it's also something that I like about the only thing that I like about the Spider Woman books, the Jessica Drew Spider Woman books, because her stories have been really bad. But the inner and her inner dialogue and the banter between the characters is fun. Anyway, the point is, there is this is obviously narrated from Jessica Jones's point of view, and this is one of the first times that you like you get this like I don't want to say raw. Jessica Jones, but the Jessica Jones that's just openly honest on paper because she is kind of just, she's rough around the edges type. Also, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not going to give any twists away because I honestly, I think Steve's going to want to read this. There's one team up at the end that I think should have been a different person, but Steve and I'll talk about it some, some other time. Anyway, the main plot of this, oh, sorry, we typically get a like rough or stoic Jessica Jones and her, the way she thinks is very analytical, like a, like a, an investigative, a PI, private investigator. In this book, we get a lot of Jessica just being really honest about how she feels about Luke and how she, how much she loves him and appreciates him. And the, her, like, desire to not be a dark and broody person because Luke Cage is in her life. There's a handful of examples of that. And it's all her inner monologue and, like, how much it means to her that he's there and how willing he is to just fully trust her. Because this is really weird. So <laughs> Jessica ends up getting these, like, migraines. Every time she gets a migraine... Something happens in this universe. And in this universe, we're in 616, by the way. Another freaking, she like, it's like, migraine's so bad that she, like, borderline passes out. Anyway, point is, uh, I guess that's one other thing happens. Matt Murdock is a side character here and basically begs her to come to this hearing for this woman named Elise. And it turns out that Elise is Elise Snyder. She's she's the woman who was under the Purple Man's control, Kilgrave's control, before Jessica. And she's on trial because she burned down a house with her fam- with her family in it. And her defense is that Zebediah Kilgrave made her do it, but publicly Kilgrave is dead. We did come across Kilgrave relatively recently and he was put he's put in a coma and that's what his what that's the reality but 
publicly he's dead, but actually he's in a coma and Jessica knows it because she was there. But so that defense doesn't exactly work, but she's, she's being a past victim of Kilgrave. She knows what it feels like to have been controlled by Kilgrave, but she still gets convicted. And before she gets taken away, she asks to see Jessica. And they have a, con- a conversation that's relatively honest about, like, you know, sh- uh, Elise is, like, is very familiar with the uh, torture and humiliation and other stuff that Kilgrave did while he had her captive because he did the same stuff to Jessica. And Elise is basically just like, yeah, everything he did to you, he was practicing with me. Like, he was learning how to do all this stuff with me. And then one day he just let me go. And the crux of it all is that she had this compulsion to burn down the house and kill her family 10 years to the day after Kilgrave let her go. And she wanted to talk to Jessica to give her the heads up because turns out tomorrow is 10 years to the day that Jessica got out from under Kilgrave's uh, thumb. So she's wanted to give her the heads up. She didn't know it's going to be in, it was going to be tomorrow, but she was like, listen, when you hit your 10 year anniversary, uh, stay away from your family. It's not going to be good. And so after that, she leaves, comes home and sees another Jessica in her apartment. And because so 616 Jessica Jones is typically pretty, isn't exactly the punch first, ask questions later type, but she had a rough, she had a rough day and someone is in her apartment where her daughter lives. And so she freaked out. Besides punching, they both get hit in the face by a Captain America shield. (laughs) Then turns out that, you know, they have this other, so now we have three Jessica Jones's. (laughs) Also ignore this, this other lady that's kissing Matt Murdock. This other lady being Jessica Jones. It's the cover of the second issue. So we have this Jessica Jones as Captain America showing up. And these are all different Jessicas from different, timelines different universes but we're we don't really dive too far into where they came from anyway so we have three jessica joneses they have some conversations and then well okay as far so okay this is what i want to do i honestly i do kind of want steve to read this so i don't want to get into the plot so much as let's talk about the different jessicas that show up in this there's kind of the main f- four or five. And so there's 616 Jess. And then there is this other one that's also wearing that also wears the jacket jeans combo. The, the first one that we saw. She's an agent of sword. Saber. It's not shield. But she's one of she's one of those acronyms. And her code name was Omega. Uh, and so they call her Omega. They call 616 Jess, they call her Prime, just so they can keep track of each other. Then Captain America, Jessica, she's the head, she's the leader of the Avengers in her reality. And then you have a jewel version of Jessica. 
wearing the superhero costume, pink hair. She, this jewel, doesn't know a Kilgrave. She doesn't have that in her history. And Jess Prime, uh, just like, without even saying anything, just immediately embraces her. And she's like, whatever the hell happens, I'm not letting her meet a Kilgrave. Like, this one, her innocence needs to be protected because she's so happy. And it's just adorbs. The last one we end up meeting on in like issue like three and a half or four is Nitrous. Like K-N-I-G-H-T-R-E-S-S. I think that was another, that must have been another, see, the way that Prime reacted to her was just like, oh, hi, Nitrous. Like, she knows that look. It's like a, she's got like a Hawkeye mask, basically. <laughs> anyway, those are kind of the main five. And then we, we end up getting cameos by, or like scenes of others. Like one that got turned into Vision, Jessica 2099. Shout out to everyone who's obsessed with Earth 2099. Ultra Jess, who's basically Hyperion Jessica. Jesse James, the two-gun girl, two-gun kid. Morning Blush, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. She's Electra Jessica. Sigil, who seems to be like a old-school Viking Thor, yarn-born-wielding type Jessica. And Power Woman, who's just like old-school yellow shirt Luke Cage Power Man. As far as how these how these Jesses get involved, there's magic is involved. Uh, Luke Cage has some cameo appearances. Danny Rand has a cameo appearance. Misty and Colleen Wing have non-speaking... Well, Misty has like two lines... She-Hulk is in it, and all of the all of their interactions are what. I, so, one of my favorite things where we're at in Marvel Comics these days is all of our heroes who've been around for a long time act like it. <laughs> like they actually have, like there's trust built. They've been around the block enough times that they have this like trust with each other where you don't have to have the like, please, like, you have to just trust me. I can't tell you what's going on, blah, blah, blah. But like, and, and the other heroes are just like, I got you. Like, we're at that level of kinship that we don't get to see. We don't see in like the TV shows, we don't see them in the movies just yet. Because everyone's still, like, in the first few years. Everyone's still figuring things out. With the exception of Ned and Pete. (laughs) They have that undying trust for each other. But when you see it with title characters, it's just so much fun. And, like, it's kind of one of those things where, as a writer, they're they're probably just like, thank goodness we don't have to write these BS conversations anymore (laughs) that it makes sense that they just trust each other. But as a reader, it's so much fun to see because like even a kind of a side story like this, you see conversations happen and you're like, I want that. Like it, 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 it makes like a, a new level of friendship and trust to aspire to and not just the, I want to be the hero of the story kind of a thing. 
And that's been really fun. So I really like that. Sorry I didn't dive too far into it, but I, I do think because so for those who don't know, there's a there's a book series by Bendis called Alias that really kind of put Jessica Jones on the map. And that really kind of details the um, history with uh, Jessica and Kilgrave. And so frequently we get homages or payoffs or, or throwbacks to those kinds of things. And to have one of the plot points here be this is the 10-year anniversary of that, I think Steve's going to be interested. So I don't want to give the, like, twists away and stuff. But yeah, there's a lot of Jessica's. I, I was actually, I was texting my friends. So Steve and I have a Facebook messenger group with the two the two gents from our fellas friends from hype is my superpower paul hoppy and 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 matthew fox the ethical panda and zen madman when i was reading this and i saw jessica jones as captain america i was like you know <laughs> i can suspend a lot of belief <laughs> but jessica jones as captain america I don't, I don't entirely see it. But then I was also thinking, like, that's the multiverse, right? Like, it's kind of funny when you have a story about different versions of the civilian name versus different versions of the hero name. And Jessica is just Jessica Jones. She went by Jewel for a little bit and apparently went by Nitrous a little bit. But, like, Jessica Jones is and pretty much always will be Jessica Jones. So if you're doing variants of Jessica Jones... That namesake goes in different directions. <laughs> Whereas you look at something like the Spider-Verse and you have the Spider-Man of each world. Sometimes the person behind the mask is Gwen Stacy. Sometimes it's Peter Parker or a variant of Peter Parker. Sometimes it's Hobie Brown. Sometimes it's Miles Morales. Sometimes it's Cindy Moon. But like you have different namesakes you have different named people as the title, as the as the as the um, hero title, and if you're telling a multiverse story of the hero title, then you just have different humans. But then, when you have different variants of the human title, they're gonna be wildly different hero names, I guess, and like. <sighs> On paper, I get it, but it is so hard. I am more willing to believe an Ultra Jess <laughs> or or a Two-Gun Kid Jesse, Jessica Jones than I am a Captain America. Like, so Jessica Jones' high school crush is Peter Parker. I am more willing to believe that there is a variant Jessica Jones out there that ends up being a spider woman <laughs> than I am a Jessica Jones could lead a path where she becomes Captain America. I don't know. It's just, it's just so strange to me. And a lot of it, a lot of it is because of Kristen Ritter's portrayal of Jessica Jones on Netflix. Now Disney plus, because it was so good and so effective. And she looks so much like comic book Jess that like it's, it, they've just blended into my head and it's so hard to think of anything but that 
uber ultra grumpy <laughs> Kristen Ritter who has trauma and history and is doing her best to deal with it. And it's just, it's so hard to see anything else. <laughs> anyway, last one. We got Thunderbolts. What a book. So, previously, in New York, um, at the end of the Murder Reigns storyline, Luke Cage became the mayor of New York City. In the Murder Reigns storyline, Mayor Fisk had his personal thug squad. Well, so, okay, two things. Mayor Fisk made, made it illegal to perform superheroics in uh, New York. That's still a thing. Unless you have the Thunderbolts badge and Fisk being Fisk. Oh, also, what are the Thunderbolts? Whew. So Thunderbolts are a team of superheroes who originally, the very first, very first Thunderbolts were, came, came about during Avengers Disassembled, like post, post Avengers Disassembled and M-Day and stuff. There's no Avengers. There's a huge void in the superhero space. This is where the young Avengers came up because they're like, if, if the adults aren't going to do something, we will. And this is also where Thunderbolts show up. You have Mach 5, Atlas, Mockingbird, Meteorite. I feel like Meteorite's not the right one. I feel like that was her villain name. Anyway, and Citizen V and one or two others. Doesn't matter. At the end of, I think, issue 10. So he spent the first like volume establishing this new team, this new hero team. And then at the end of the second volume, <laughs> it's revealed that Citizen V is actually Baron Zemo. And all of the other members of the team are other supervillains like the beetle screaming mimi moonstone yeah, it's meteorite and moonstone was her villain name anyway and this was all a ploy basically zemo's end game was gain america's trust and then take it apart from the inside kind of thing they get ousted but most of them, most of the villains get a taste for super heroism and are like, I don't know if I want to do this bad. I don't want to do our plot twist anymore. <laughs> In steps Hawkeye. Hawkeye becomes the, they, they, they out Zemo, capture Zemo. Hawkeye comes in and Hawkeye leads the new, or most of the old Thunderbolts into this new era of, being actual heroes. He dates Meteorite, Carla Sofin for a bit. It's not relevant now, but it's a thing. And then, and so it kind of became this thing of just like, the Thunderbolts are reformed villains trying to be heroes. That was kind of the idea of the Thunderbolts. And then Norman Osborn took over. So Norman Osborn got... To got the like Thunderbolts name. I guess he like trademarked it or something. Anyway, they had Thunderbolts Mountain. And he ran a team that were v openly just villains doing good. 
like Ghost and Venom, Bullseye, and just doing good in the sense of enforcing the law, including the Superhero Registration Act. And so these villain Thunderbolts publicly were going and going around and capturing heroes who were breaking the law of the Superhero Registration Act. And so they're just having a great time. Uh, Norman being a master marketing manipulator, always, always, always spun it to look good. And then a Siege, at the end of Siege, he had taken over. So, okay, he had his Thunderbolts and then Secret Invasion happened. And then he became the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. and got Hammer, turned S.H.I.E.L.D. into Hammer. And then because of that, he got his own Dark Avengers team, which was basically Thunderbolts, but as Avengers. So he had now he had a Thunderbolts team of actual villains doing good things. Then he had his Dark Avengers, who were villains dressed as heroes, using hero names. So Bullseye moved from the Thunderbolts to the Avengers and wore a Hawkeye costume. Venom was given a controlling... So, so This is Mac Gargan Venom, by the way. Was given like a sedative for the film Venom symbiote, and so he looked like Black Suit Spider-Man. Norman Osborn, this is where he they debuted the Iron Patriot armor, which was uh, Norman Osborn's uh, Iron Man replacement. Carla Sofin wore a an old Miss Marvel costume. And then... Norman recruited his son to be... I really can't remember his son's name. I'm a terrible Spider-Man fan. Doesn't matter. Recruited his son to, to wear like a kind of like a exosuit that looked, kind of looked like a football uniform. He was called American Son. So he became like the Captain America replacement. Has nothing to do with anything. Anyway, at the end of Siege... Norman was losing his mind and he assaulted Asgard and and got publicly outed and lost control of Hammer, Dark Avengers and the Thunderbolts. And then they introduced the then they used the Thunderbolts idea under the leadership of Luke Cage for a like villain reform program at at a prison. So exactly like Suicide Squad, but actually trying to be heroes instead of being like Task Force Task Force X that can't be public and stuff like that. And then that was the second to last version of the Thunderbolts. And the la- latest version of Thunderbolts, it was Fisk's um, approved member, approved villains with a badge to take down like like what Norman was doing during Superhero Registration Act to take down heroes who were breaking the law. Luke Cage becomes the mayor of New York City. He inherits the Thunderbolts name. He wants to clean, he wants to fix their image because the last thing that the that New York remembers is Fisk's uh, Thunderbolts. And so he has a stake in this because of his history with the Thunderbolts to want to do it right. So he recruits Hawkeye. Well, first he tried to recruit, in Devil's Reign Omega, he tries to recruit Monica Rambeau, Spectrum, to lead the Thunderbolts, and she says no. And then, so the PR team for for the mayor says, what about Hawkeye? So 
He versus Hawkeye. He's just like, hey, you and I both have led the Thunderbolts before. Let's mm, let's make this work. Let's let's do good. And so the PR team puts together the Thunderbolts. You've got Hawkeye. They've recruited Monica, so she's willing to help as long as she's not the leader. America Chavez, who we lost last saw literally last episode doing Defender stuff. The new Power Man, who fights with like knowledge chi. Basically, he can channel the chi of the environment around him. And the more he knows about the history of where he is, the power more powerful he can get, which is really weird. But he wears a visor with like basically Google on his display. And so he can get like quick updates on or uh, get like a quick little lesson, snapshot lesson on the places that he's going to, to prepare him to fight. It's kind of interesting. And then they bring in Purple Woman, also known as Kara, Kara or Kara Kilgrave, who is Purple Man's daughter. So that's wild. I want to, I feel like Steve would remember when the last time we saw her was because she had a whole thing with Alpha Flight. If if memory serves, it was Alpha Flight back in the day, and that's and 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 she like died but didn't die. I I don't entirely remember. Anyway, she now goes by the hero name Persuasion. Um, also, she seems to have control over her powers. Like she can like activate it. Like <laughs> I think the way it's written is whenever she's giving a command, her text turns purple. So it kind of feels like if I just dropped my voice, like the way it's written, it's just like, Hey, I just, I want you to go to the left. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> I don't know how she like turns it on, turns it off, but that's much more convenient than Kilgrave just always on. And then we get this, the last member, this last recruit is, he looks like he looks like Latino Latino cable. <laughs> I say Latino cable because he's got like shoulder pads. He's got like the ch- the scarf around his neck. He's got big guns and he has like cybernetic arms and he has a blinky eye. And it's like, bro, what? <laughs> But get this, his, his, well, okay, it's not his real name, but his name is, his first name is Gutsen, G-U-T-S-E-N, his last name is Glory, his name is Guts and Glory, Guts and Glory, he's got like robot arms, he's got a laser eye, his eye likes to shine. He's literally cable, but not cable. If they, so every time they talk about him, it's like classified, classified, classified. So it's implied, this, I didn't look this up, but it's implied that he's like a brand new character that they're just introducing in the Thunderbolts. If his origin has nothing to do with cable, <laughs> I'll be so incredibly upset. <laughs> <laughs> like what in the what 
if if Cable were a DC character, I would get it. I'd be like, oh, it's just like, it's like Deathstroke and Deadpool. I get it, but it's not, and so I don't. <laughs> so anyway, and then they also add in Egro, the Unbreakable. Egro, the something. I guess it doesn't really matter what his uh, title is. Uh, but his name is Egro. E E G R O. The Unbreakable. He's he hails from Monster Island, and he looks like this, and he can shoot blasts from his hands, like heat blasts. He hails from Monster Island, and he is your typical monster. It's got strength, durability, and heat hand blasts. Anyway, their first mission together, they go and stop the old guard of the last team of Thunderbolts because they've taken a bunch of hostages. The last team being Agony, one of the sim- the purple symbiote of the five symbiotes from the Life Foundation. Taskmaster, which doesn't make sense because we're going to use Taskmaster, but it's fine. Electro, Francine Fry, who else? Oh, Whiplash, Abomination, and U.S. Agent, John Walker. Turns out John Walker was an FBI informant for the Thunderbolts, and so there was Whiplash on that. Not Whiplash, the uh, the villain who they just fought, but <laughs> Whiplash, like, the concept. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. It's not, it wasn't a very good book. I'm trying to think of, like, basically each issue was kind of just, like, mission of the week. First issue is fighting the old guard. Second issue, second issue was fighting, oh, was fighting Egro and and getting Egro to join the team, because uh, he was introduced as a superhero mis- miscommunication at first. Third issue is fighting Red Ghost's super apes, who have decided Red Ghost. <laughs> Red Ghost is a Hank Pym villain who has. I always thought they were robots. But I guess they're genetically engineered apes that have superpowers, and he controlled them. Apparently, they're loose. I don't know where Red Ghost is. <laughs> he might be dead. He was a really boring. He looked like he looked like a Russian Santa. Like he was kind of just this overweight guy with white hair that was like down to his shoulder, but bald on the top of his head, and he just wore like a red onesie (laughs) it was the most boring (laughs) character design i think it had like white white collar like fur collar anyway his apes are loose and in central park and have decided to take out all the humans and make it an animal world anyway they get dealt with uh, by the end of the issue the fourth issue is dealing with what looks like an alternate reality where America Chavez is dressed up like Miss America from the All Winners Squad. Power Man is dressed up like old school Luke Cage Power Man. Guts and Glory is actually dressed up like Cable. Hawkeye is in his Hawkeye outfit. And Spectrum is in her first Spectrum getup. And Persuasion is dressed up 
Like some, if she, it screams Jubilee to me, but I don't know if it actually is. And then Egro is just wearing a shirt. <laughs> but like the parallels between Guts and Glory and Cable are not are not unknown to the writers. That speaking of, this is written by Zub, Jim Zub. And what's even funnier is on the back it's written Zub Z U B, on the spine it's written Z U B B, and on the front it's written Z U B. I should ask him about that. I, don't, I have this weird thing about wanting to like ask Marvel creators questions on Twitter. One of these days, they might respond to me and actually answer the question. Anyway, this is weird alternate reality going on. We don't fully understand what's happening. They're in this fight that they can't seem to win. And then it ends with realizing that they're like in a trance for some reason. And then issue five is dealing with that the leftover monster of last week who turns out to be nightmare, which is funny conceptually because, um, Jean gray kicked nightmares ass in, uh, X-Men. What issue five, six, I think it was five. doesn't matter. But so like, did this happen before X-Men issue five or is he just trying again and trying to hide from Jean Grey? Cause Jean Grey has said, if he ever comes back, he'll regret it. And then here he is being used in a Thunderbolts title for, for some reason. Yeah. Anyway, they literally, it was five issues and they had four monsters of the week. The side stuff that was going on is Hawkeye doubting himself and having this voice in his head telling him that he's going to fail him being really nervous about leading a team. <laughs> Honestly, I think I I feel like writers are having trouble taking the legendary legendary Mac Fraction run, Matt Fraction run and where he was by himself and doing going solo and folding that Hawkeye back into the like main main group. He's not on this run. He's not on Jason Aaron's Avengers because he's too small time, I guess. He's trying to be a leader here because he's been a leader before, but he was also serious before. And now he's this like lazy joker that is the Hawkeye that gets portrayed in the cartoons a lot now. I think they're having a tough time trying to get that to work on a team. They haven't figured it out yet, even though they made it work for Spider-Man and they've made it work for Deadpool. <laughs> they just haven't figured out how to tell this story, but not do a Deadpool story, you know? So I don't know. So the conflicts here are like, the you know the conflicts outside of the monsters of the week the like arcing conflicts are <sighs> spectrum telling hawkeye that he's not good enough for the job guts and glory being a soldier and telling that spectrum and hawkeye are both terrible at their jobs persuasion wanting to kind of make a better name for a killgrave egro only caring about being recognized because he was so small and no one cared about him on Monster Island. Power Man wanting to prove himself because, honestly, every time he gets used, <laughs> he gets forgotten. Like, whenever he's on a team, he never finds 
success after the team. So he's trying to just prove himself here, uh, holding himself to a high standard. America is still dealing with the fact that her stars make her sick (laughs) and trying to figure that out. And yeah, I don't know. It's now that I see that it is not a uh, numbered title. Maybe this is just the intro. So it's called the book is actually is called Back on Target, like this volume. So I'm kind of hoping the roster is interesting enough. I think it just needs to be written well. And using the first volume to do your monster of the week, show the setup between the characters and get that out of the way. I would like to see one more go at this. It's kind of the main point. Oh, there's also like brand deals and stuff. Like this is the only legal superhero team in New York. And so they have a PR team. Egro has a line of to- kids toys. Persuasion has a is a, has a perfume already. They've been on talk shows. It's just it's a, it's a whole thing. We'll see where it goes. I don't have high hopes. I have, uh, as evidenced by my, like, 25-minute rundown on the history of Thunderbolts, I have a soft spot for the Thunderbolts title. (laughs) I want it to do well, but Thunderbolts are... The longest-running Thunderbolts title, I think, was, like, six volumes. Just, like, 25 to 30 issues. They're not long. Thunderbolts titles are not long for this world. Thunderbolt, the Thunderbolts team is not long for this world. But I do hope as long as Luke Cage is the mayor and as long as superheroes are illegal in New York, I hope Thunderbolts works. I hope like they can do a blend of a like a smaller Avengers team, like a Young Avengers or West Coast Avengers. A smaller Avengers team blended with like an Avengers Academy, Avengers the Initiative, where they're uh, they bring in young blood and train them up, and hopefully find who's successful and add them to other rosters. Anyway, so that's that's that. This is the part where I asked Steve <laughs> uh, what he read, and or not what he read, but like let's talk about this title that you talked about that you read. We don't have that. So that's pretty much it, you guys. Like, the, this is the most abrupt ending <laughs> to, to an episode. But uh, on paper, up next, Steve and I are going to be... Uh, Steve will be back. I will. We will either be doing a Destiny of X review, which will be Sabretooth... Four and five, I think there's a couple of issues of... There's another title that we have to finish. X-Men 15 through 18, Marauders 7 through 10, New Mutants 30 through 33, X-Men Annual, and Exterminators 1 through 3. Basically, we have three Destiny of X uh, episodes to do before we read Dark Web, which is another like semi-crossover. It's going to be a crossover basically between... X-Men and Spider-Man. And then Destiny of X will come back. And after Destiny of X, we get into the Sins of Sinister. Sins of Sinister isn't going to come out until like 
November or something. So we got time on that. But Dark Web for 616 for me is coming up in a, in a couple weeks if I were to just read only 616. So we got to work in some Destiny FX stuff to catch up on that. So what you're going to hear next week or next episode, it's either going to be me telling Steve about more books I've read, which would be, I think there's a damage control book. Oh gosh, there's a Shang-Chi book. Uh, also Moon Knight, Black, White, and Red. Maybe one more. So it's either going to be that. It's either going to be 616, normal stuff, or it's going to be Steve and I going over Destiny of X stuff. Okay? So with that, we're going to put the outro music, like, here. And uh, I'm going to figure out how to export this audio sometimes I'm white. All right. Thank you guys for your time, and I will see you next time.